Hello, everybody. We're back. Hey. And we got a third guest joining us. And yes, we Hi. have a guest. It's, I'm Luffy, and I'm delighted to be here today. It's great to have you on the show. We're very excited. Yeah. So, um, Luffy, um, what do you want me to call you in this? Is Luffy okay? Yeah, Luffy's fine. Yeah, okay, I've known so, Luffy. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think we both known Luffy for a while, haven't we? Yeah, I know know, know them since like uh, the DeviantArt days. Yep. Yeah, and I know them through Tumblr. <laughs> And so they're a lot like us, you know, we both, we all love animation here, but we also were massive anime nerds. And on our list, the next movie was Paprika. And Luffy had said, I'd love to join you guys for an episode. I'm like, well, this will be perfect. Because we, you know, again, since we are all nerds and yeah. love anime, we'll have a lot to talk about here. So I'm really excited. Now, this is one of the I'm also pretty excited because of this movie. Hmm? Go ahead, Go ahead. Uh, Luffy. I've seen Paprika once uh, in my anime club in college, but that was many Ooh. moons ago. So I remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so uh, Jack, was honest. this your first time watching it? Yeah, yeah, this is my first time watching it. I think this was one of your recommendations. And mm. I was not yes. prepared for the fever trip this film was. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> As always, we got to talk about the history. So first thing I'm going to say, there's something I really want to... Okay, first, a little bit of warning. We are going to talk about some heavy subjects. Uh, sexual assault is one of them. And also, I'm just going to give everybody a heads up. Don't read the book this is based on. Oh, no, you said the book was uh, really bad. Oh, it is so misogynistic and homophobic oh. for no reason. And like... And this film only has fat phobia. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. the film has its issues, but nothing compared to the book. Because I read the book because I liked the movie, but then I read the book and I'm like, how did Satoshi Kon find something good in this mess? <laughs> I really don't know. Like, it just don't, don't, don't read the book. So this was based off a Japanese novel by Yatsuta Tsui. And this was the last creation from Satoshi Kon, unfortunately. Now, he started mm -hmm. his career with a short manga called Torikiko in 1984. Oh, oh shit, my turn. Uh, he graduated yeah. from the Moose... Oh, I'm probably going to butcher this. I apologize in offense. Musashino Art University in 1984. It's one of the most prestigious art schools in Japan. And after graduating, Khan authored another manga called Kaikissen in 1990. Yeah. So then he worked um, as an animator and background designer for Rosen Z, a sci-fi thriller about a nurse discovering a secret government plot. And he was also a script writer as well. And he had written a script for a live action film called World Apartment Horror. Oh, I'm curious about what that's like. Is that uh, or horror? Yeah, Khan would later get a chance to write a script again in 1992. He created a script for Magnetic Rose, a short film featured in the animated anime anthology movie Memories, overseen by manga legend Katsuhiro Otoma. Khan was also the layout artist and background designer of that film. And mm -hmm. Khan's first film was Perfect Blue, a thriller about a pop writer, her new acting career, and her paranoia. It was her first time working with Madhouse, and they would continue to produce Khan's films. And I was excited when I saw Madhouse's uh, name in the opening credits, because... They're an amazing animation studio. 
I'm also going to say with Perfect Blue, you can also see sort of somewhat similar themes for, like from Perfect Blue and Paprika. Like I feel Colin was very big on um, double identities kind of like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I'd say like blurring reality with mm -hmm. I have seen Perfect Blue with like what is, is reality and what is like in the character's head possibly mm -hmm. like a delusion or dream or yeah big, big thing in his works he would continue to direct until 2010 when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer he decided Ooh. to retire spend time at home and with his family and uh, unfortunately he passed away on august 24th 2010 ah uh, that's a shame yeah it's really heartbreaking and yeah yeah you're we got some heavy uh Stuff going in, uh, but it's also real with a circus. As uh, I was a bit confused at first when uh, I first it was like a sting operation. We got this uh, detective and active uh, who's who seems to be on a stakeout, saying he's they're looking for someone. And oh wait, wait, wait! The last oh. two bits of history. Oh fuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You want me to do okay. them or you want to oh, do them? All right, all right, all right. It's fine, so. Mm. Mm. Let's see. Despite his death, Madhouse said he would finish and release his final work, Dreaming Machine. Unfortunately, the movie is still unfinished and a release date has yet to be set. Even with the setbacks, Masao Maruyama, founder of Madhouse, says he tried to in intend to release the film and... Khan inspired a lot of other filmmakers, such as Darren Aronofsky, who directed Requiem for a Dream, and he admitted he took inspiration from Perfect Blue and Black Swan's 2010 film was also inspired by Khan on despite Anovnovsky's dismissals. And there I believe is this literally, film... Oh. Yeah, there's literally a scene in Perfect Blue where the main character is in a bathtub and she's screaming underwater. That is in Black Swan. Oh, so, like, damn. Yeah, you, you obviously took inspiration from Cohen here, dude. Just admit it. Yeah. I mean... His just glancing at his Wikipedia page, uh, Aronofsky also wrote a eulogy for Khan. Oh, wow. so are you going to really pretend that you had like nothing, no inspiration from this man? You don't know who he is, yeah. <laughs> and I also yeah. read that Christopher just... Nolan uh said he was inspired by this movie to make Inception. Oh, totally. And um, I mean, Inception is a good movie, but I kind of think Paprika is the superior one. I have to agree with that. Yeah, I never seen the uh, Inception show. I'll just assume that's fact. <laughs> okay, so now we have to try to explain the, the plot. <laughs> Might be a little hard. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> Should well, we just start I... at the beginning? Yeah, with the circus. And okay, so literally, uh, this I've... film opens up with a clown coming out of a car. So you yeah. probably get really confused. You're like, clown. <laughs> and it, it kind of feels like a drug trip from the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's got like wild colors, makes no sense. So you're like, well, okay. Yeah. So Go ahead, Chad. I'm sorry. This detective Toshimi Kanakawa. I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, you did. And yeah, that's correct. At first, I thought it was a stakeout aspect operation they're looking for this guy but suddenly you find 
this magician uh, suddenly puts him in a cage and he's being chased by everyone in the audience, including <laughs> the circus performers, who have his face. And then suddenly he drops and finds himself being choked up by a guy until this woman comes and hits him on the head with a tray that suddenly turns into a guitar and uh, at some kind of pad outdoor dinner party. Oh, and, and don't forget, he was also Tarzan for like a oh, split second. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> but things don't take a dark turn when he's in the middle of a hallway and sees a dead body in the sky running and, and down the hall with a gun. And as he tries to chase him, the entire hallway just starts to morph and he falls into a white white uh, void. And then it's revealed that this entire thing is a dream. Because um, uh, Kanakawa, he's it's a recurring dream he's been having, and 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 he's enlisted the help of this woman named Paprika to help with it on this thing called the DC Mini. And it's supposed to be kind of like Paprika is the therapist, but we're gonna get into that a little more as we continue. Yep. Yeah, and then suddenly. It, we cut to this woman named, named Dr. Uh, Achu- Atsuko. Atsuko Chiba. Chiba. But I think everyone calls her Chiba. And uh, this yeah. is where we get into the fat phobia, folks. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're going to have to talk about this character. <laughs> uh, so his name, yeah. The character's name is Tokita. And... Now, I'm not saying this to be mean, but he is morbidly obese. And they don't really treat him that well in the movie. Nah, like, they make a lot of fat jokes and he eats ugh. a lot. That's just so yeah. common in anime, unfortunately. No, it's yeah, like they can't talk about him without mentioning that he's fat. We're like, guys, we are aware that he is fat. You don't need to keep mentioning it. First time we meet him, is- he's literally stuck in the elevator. Oh, yeah, it's really embarrassing. But also, like, guys, this man is a genius because he's the one who creates the DC Mini thing. Basically, with the DC Mini, people can share their dreams. That is a very genius piece of technology. Nobody who wasn't a genius could make that. But they just keep on being like, oh, yeah, he's fat. And I'm like, he made something where you can jump into people's dreams and you just want to keep on focusing on the fact that he's fat. Really? Yeah, and he was like... it's so frustrating because like, it's like everybody does it. Go ahead, Luffy. If, if you look at the novel, like Wikipedia page and stuff, it goes on and on as well about bringing up the fact that he's fat. <sighs> and I don't know if it's because uh, Chiba is in love with him. Like, are we supposed to think it's baffling because she's beautiful and he's fat? I have no like, idea. Yeah. That, and Yeah. Yeah, we're also gonna uh, get to that later too. But uh, oh, <laughs> so, spoiler! By the way, so <laughs> so Kida reveals to Uchiba that someone stole all the DC Mini, and because of no security, uh, they can access. I think the machine it's connected to, so they can actually. That's a good point you brought up. Um, see, the DC Mini is these are prototypes. There's like only two of them, I think. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. supposed to be mm-hmm. only a few of them, and see. Um, the detective, he's meeting with Paprika, but it's like, hush, hush, because 
they haven't gotten like the official okay to release this machine into the public. But if this machine is so dangerous, why is there no security at this facility? Where's their two-factor authentication on this? Exactly. Because we're going to find out it's very dangerous. Jad, continue with the plot. Yeah, and as they uh, mate it up at the uh, head of the company, the, uh, let's see. Yeah, um, This guy's like my favorite character, Shima. Seijiro Inui. Is that correct? No, no, no. This one, Shima, the, the little chairman. short guy. The short guy. Oh, 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 oh yeah. you're talking about uh, Shima. That's the chairman. The chief. The ch- the chief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like this character. Yeah, the chief of the department. <laughs> and I was like talking to the company chairman. Uh, Sima just starts talking about some nonsense. And oh, he's yeah. hallucinating that he's in a parade with a bunch of toys and inanimate objects. And he starts running thinking he's in a parade and just leaps out the window like, Jesus Christ. And somehow survived. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah. he was on the second floor, know. wasn't he? Yeah, I think uh, they showed his coat getting caught in the tree, so I just assumed that it, uh, oh, that he was that's just, right, they did. I said mm. fell from the tree when it got caught. You know what, that might have been it, because I'm like, I am surprised I didn't kill him. Um, it, so, okay, I have just a tiny little nitpick, because it's like, when he starts talking crazy, um, nobody does anything until he starts to run down the hall. And I'm like, guys, it didn't sound like he was making sense. He was talking normally and then starts rambling. And I'm like, why didn't you guys do anything before he started running? Okay, yeah, but, that's, um, sorry. So let's see if we can explain this part. So it turns out the reason he sort of lost it is someone implanted a dream into his head. And that made him go crazy. Um... Not exactly sure like how. His conscious head, like his conscious yeah, yeah. mind, not yeah. like when he was a slave. It was yeah. sort of invading his consciousness, and I guess it caused him to sort of lose it. Um, and like again, guys, this is a very surreal film because it is about dreams. So if it gets a little confusing, we're trying here. <laughs> again, yeah, because we're confused film. too. <laughs> Because I'm trying to remember everything that happens uh, in I order, and it's kind of pa- hard. Yeah, pa- it's, it's oh, also kind of non-linear. Yeah, yeah. Seema's uh, in the dream. Paprika managed to uh, get him out, but as uh, they were analyzing the dream, uh, Tokita realizes the face of his assistant, Kei Himura, who hasn't been seen for days. So they get the sense that this was an inside job by him. And Himuro, mm-hmm. we don't really get to see him in the real world, but Himuro seems kind of creepy. I'm just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Something yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah, they examine his apartment, and oh, God, turns out he perfect. has some kind of grudge against Tokita. And uh, this is where we find out that uh, Chiba talks to a prisoner of Paprika. Uh, Mm-hmm. And um, she almost uh, falls prey to the same dream and almost oh, walks right out the window. But thankfully, she's saved. Yeah, there's another um, scientist there named um, Osanai. He like is um, sort of tasked with helping them, helping Tokita and Chiba investigate this entire thing. And he like grabs her before she jumps off like a, off of the balcony. Yeah, and uh, because of all these these problems. Uh, and what doesn't help is that two other scientists at the company fall prey to the same uh, 
in Planet mm-hmm. Dream, which leads to the chairman, uh, Dr. Shichiro Inui. Oh, I hope I pronounced that right. Let's just call him the chairman, because that's what the everybody The chairman uh, decides to uh, ban the use of the device, which was never yeah, uh, put over in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, see, technically, what was supposed to happen is, like, you have to have all of the people of the board vote on it, but Tsushima... Yep. Now, they managed to get the chief out of his dream. Um, Paprika went in and was able to... I'm not exactly sure how she got... Okay, I'm going to try to explain this scene. So, Paprika goes in. She's trying to talk to the chief. She's like, wake up! Chief, wake up! And then she sees Himuro, and she tries to be like, hey, give him back his brain. And Himuro's like, ha ha ha, nope. Um, And see, the way the chief is, it's like all these dolls have sort of fused with his body, and he's not moving. So for a second, you think he might be dead. Mm-hmm. And then you see Paprika, and he makes a comment about her being like a village girl who he saved from a cup of his noodles. <laughs> Again, sure, okay. he's loose in his mind because weird dream. And then, so I think Paprika's thing was she was gonna seduce him. But then uh, she like maybe. melts into his body. And then we get to every different art's red dream, artist's red dream, where he, <laughs> where he uh, where, uh, Shima just starts inflating to massive proportions till he pops, and that wakes him up. I have to admit, Very I was shocked here, the though. first time I watched this, I was like, oh, well, that just happened. <laughs> And someone I'd even ask going, oh, balloon t- inflation is so 2005. Unbirthing <laughs> is where it's at. I can imagine somebody doing that while watching the movie. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, see, they still can't find Himuro, and once again, two scientists have gone crazy due to GC Mini, and it's really bad because they end up getting out of this facility, and I think they attacked some people. So as Jad said, the chairman's like, we're shutting this project down, but it's not, see, the dream that um, the chief got infected with is this parade, and it's not full of people, it's full of dolls, dolls toys, and toys, uh, figurines, um, buildings, like there's a, a like, a bridges, or so porches. There's those, yeah, those art, red arches, I think it's yeah, in yeah, that yeah. Uh, Japanese religion. I forgot the name. It's Shinto. Shinto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not a parade full of people. But And the thing is, it's just, like, whatever is about this dream, it causes people, you know, to sort of, like, lose their mind, as we saw with the chief. So it's not, they can't seem to stop this dream because, okay, so we mentioned Tokita. See, another thing they keep mentioning about Tokita is that Tokita is not very mature. Yeah. Which is, like, fine. But they keep mentioning this. He sort of has a problem with, like, interacting with people. He cares more about science. Now, I can't remember if it happened before or after the scientist, but they found Himuro at an old amusement park. And he had a DC Mini, and somehow the DC Mini got, like, implanted in his brain. They had to, like, remove it. And there were, like, bits of skin attached to it. It was pretty nasty. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think from what I understand, he was trying to kill himself so he could escape the dream. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, (laughs) So, Tokita, for some reason, decides, like, hey, I'm going to go into Himuro's dream. Now, see, there's this scene. This scene always bothers me as much as I love this movie. 
Chiba like confronts Tokita, and I just I don't like this scene because it just felt like this kind of came out of nowhere. She's like chewing him out, and in a way, I do think she's right, but I'm like I felt like she was being really cruel. Mm-hmm. Did you guys feel that way? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. It just, it it did kind of seem a little out of nowhere, as well as, like, I'm not sure it really fit with where it was in the film. Like It really didn't. It just, it just seemed like it it kind of took away from what was occurring at the time. It just didn't make Mm -hmm. sense in the timeline. Yeah, it really didn't. And again, it just felt unnecessarily cruel. And I mean, like, while she is sort of right that he's not really that great at you know, interacting with people and focusing, I felt like just the how she was talking to him was very uncomfortable. Was not needed. Especially okay, so, as she's supposed to have a crush on him or something. Like, yeah. Okay. Once again, we will get into that. But, um, yeah. so, okay, Takeda, now he's supposed to be smart. I don't understand why he thought this was going to work, but he wanted to go into Himuro's dream. I don't think Himuro was dead at this point. But yeah, he goes the, into. Hmm? Go ahead. Nah, he goes into the dream and uh, he tries to talk to Himo Himura, but uh, turns out it was a trap for so the dream could claim him. Yeah, and he gets stuck on it. Yeah. And see, Paprika's is doing another session with um the de- detective, and um. Yeah, it's weird. She starts out as an elevator operator who. Takes him to oh, different yeah. floors that reenact moments from his dream, but the seventeenth floor is where he starts panicking, where he goes into the same hallway dream. Yeah. Yep. And, and then they switch to a scene where it's like they're talking to him like he's a director or something. Because he, here's the thing. You're getting sort of the sense that there's a theme of movies within his dream, and there's a reason for that, but he acts like he hates movies. Hate, yeah. So then, but he's, like, acting like a director. Yeah, like, explaining certain things about movies. And they're having this, you know, little scene, and all of a sudden, all this stuff starts falling into the room, along with a bunch of blue butterflies. And then Mm -hmm. there's, like, this theme with the parade. It's, like, da-da-da-da-da-da, sort of. And it the music starts up again, and the parade has invaded the detective's dream. Which is not supposed to happen, apparently. Mm Mm-hmm. Parade just smashes into everyone else's dream, mm-hmm. which just has to be so frustrating for, because isn't this supposed to be ultimately like a form of psychotherapy? Yeah. yeah. Like, and this this is not what I have to deal with in my problems, but you're making it my problem. And we saw what happened to the chief when he got infected with the dream. So it's mm-hmm. like, if this dream infects other people, what's going to happen? So... Paprika wakes up the detective, and then um, I think the chief is like, well, um, Tokita and Himuro are in REM sleep, but it seems like they're not dreaming, and so Chiba makes the decision to go into the dreams as Paprika. Yeah, which, they were two, um, one and the same. Like, Paprika's her dream in my yeah. Yeah, persona. persona. Yeah. And Isn't there, like, a creepy hmm? scene where that's, like, oh, yeah. revealed? 
Yeah, we're getting to that part. Because um, um, yeah. she goes into the dream and she starts to realize, see some stuff. Like she's walking down this hall full of dolls that look like Tepkita. Then she sees a statue that looks like Osanai. And she turns into a fairy trying to figure out what's going on. And she finds like the discarded body of Himaru. And yeah, when like she follows. Body's all hollowed and cracked like a used, worn out shell. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she goes to the roots and sees the face of the chairman. So they realize that Himaru is like, his mind is gone. They've been using this body for nefarious purposes. And it turns out that the chairman is behind this all. Now, we think that Chiba wakes up and she and the chief go to confront the chairman. Because okay, I'm trying to understand what the chairman's motivation was. Uh, let's see. He sees exactly. uh, dreams as sacred ground and wants to uh, uh, just keep technology and therapy out of people's dreams. And... At least that's why interpretive. And suddenly he stands up from the wheelchair and it just has a bunch of fucking tree roots. It was has legs, which so feels they're, they're not out of wake at all. It's still a dream. More blue butterflies too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Blue butterflies are like a big symbol for um Osanai and the chairman. And um mm-hmm. now see, like I said, don't read the book, but like the book. There was a lot more sexual stuff in it. I'm really glad they toned it down in the movie. But, um, so it kind of seemed like, even in the beginning, it kind of seemed like Osanai wanted Chiba's attention more. And he was uh, frustrated that she seemed to care more about Takeda than him. So, like, after a chase scene, a really cool one, actually, um, they, uh, Paprika is, like, tied to a... She's, She's pinned, like literally pinned, pinned. like a yep. butt insect uh, collection. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and this is where things turn creepy. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this uh, heads up. Really creepy. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Warning, we're going to talk about some sexual assault. You know, maybe try to skip forward if you don't want to hear it. But, um, yeah, this scene is really uncomfortable. I don't like this scene. Yeah. Because um, I like his, his hand down and uh, on the rest his final abdomen and suddenly he puts his hand down into her so it's literally under her skin and he yeah. slides it up paprika's body and like a zipper just uh, peels her skin off revealing uh Chiba uh naked and underneath but uh, yep. there are boobs in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It guarantees it's all raining. It's... Yeah, it's just oh, it so it's so uncomfortable because she's passed out. She's not moving. She's not awake. Yeah. And he like starts like cradling her face and stuff. And I was just like, oh god, no! And, it was really upsetting. And uh, but the yeah. good news is, is the detective. I guess he's dreaming too. He runs like into this movie theater, and the scene we explained is like playing on a on a big screen. So he's mm-hmm. able to see it, and he's able to push through the screen to save her. But that is yep. not before the. Uh, okay, the yeah, I don't know how this. They, they explained that uh, Kanikawa uh, is sitting at this bar, which is supposed to be like his subconscious, and the bartender's telling him that he's had enough, but he dismisses it as. 
it's just a dream. I can drink all I want. And yeah. when the uh, date eight on the clock turns to the 17th, he uh, winces a little bit because he does not like the movie seven, the number 17. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when they, they uh, reveal a bit of his backstory, how uh, when he was uh, a teenager, he him and his friend dreamed about making movies for a living. They even made a cop thriller in their spare time. And it feels that one scene in the movie mimics the hallway segment of his dream, like shot for shot. Mm-hmm. And that he made that movie when he was just 17. And so uh, that's the yeah, reason that's, for the number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when uh, he confronts uh, uh, Asanai, Asanai and <laughs> rescues Chiba. So the thing is, is um, they don't really explain the chairman and Elsinai's relationship completely, yeah. but it seems like uh, the chairman's using Elsinai as some kind of uh, vessel because he wants to walk. Yeah, because see, what happened is, as you know, Elsinai was trying to—I think he was going to like a kiss Chiba or something. The chairman appears. And is like, how dare you keep me from her, blah, blah, blah. But Osanai's like, no, no, please, like, let me have her. I love her. Because the chairman's head literally appears on Osanai's body and all these, like, uh, roots yeah, his start, like, wrapping right hand around. turns into a bunch Chiba. of tree roots. Like a parasitic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah exactly yeah. like that. <laughs> it's really disturbing, but also kind of cool. But yeah, the detective saves Chiba. He picks her up and runs out of the room, and Osana like burst into a billion blue butterflies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he has Kanakawa shot Osana, which uh, also kills him in the real world. Apparently. They don't explain very that either. Matrix. <laughs> very, ma- yeah, it is kind of very matrixy. <laughs> they don't really explain it because see, when Chiba does finally get out of the dream, they see a ghostly like vision of Osana. And he's, like, bleeding. He tries to, like, reach for her. And then we're yeah. transported to the chairman and Osanai's bedroom. I don't know. For some reason, they're both in pajamas. Don't don't know what was going on there. It's, it's like, the, the room starts to... What's the word? It like construct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember what else happened. And uh, I think they wake up. Allegedly, and the th- so, and they're joined, joined by Aishima, uh, who who began to try to confront uh, uh, Shit Inui in uh, real life, but they are confronted by a large doubt, feeling that the mm-hmm. entire dream world is starting to merge with reality. Like, they even see the yeah. prey going through the streets of of the city. Yep. And people... Containment. Yeah, it's escaping containment. And people are being transformed into weird, bizarre items and, like, just, you know, going on about all this really bizarre, weird stuff. Um, and, uh, like, Paprika... No, oh, no. First, it's Chiba and the Chief that are running. And see, um, one of the, like, recurring motifs is um a... Japanese doll like mm-hmm. that was what um Himuro like kind of appeared as and um 
it, it's in the, the real world as this massive towering thing and it's trying to kill them. They're running. Uh, the chief almost falls to his death, but somehow Paprika is also there and she helps save him. Yeah, the two are able to coexist in this uh, merged world. world. Chiba's not happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, they even, pissed. Yes, they get into a fight when they want to confront Inuai, but uh, Chiba seeing uh, Tokita transform into a giant toy robot on a rampage insists he has to save him, but Paprika is just dismissive, saying that he doesn't deserve it, and that's when the two split off as Chiba insists on saving him. Yeah. Um, so, um, she gets eaten by Tokita. Uh, Chiba, like, just, he picks her up, swallows her, um, and then he's, like, trying to find where Paprika is. But I actually kind of like this part where the chief goes, what do we do now, Paprika? How about we run? Fine by me. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they kind of don't know what to do. But then Tokita finds them. And he's massive. He's, like, as big as the building. So he tries to ad- attack them. Uh, but those two bartenders who we mentioned earlier appear and cover his face with a uh, banner that mm-hmm. causes him to crash. Yeah, and I know uh, this sounds really weird. Yeah, and uh, it gets you even weirder when a ghost person and a Chiba who's as tall... <sighs> As Tokita now appears, and that's when uh, they recreate that scene in front of the beginning where he's stuck in the elephant and he helps, and she helps him pull him out, and suddenly it switches into, I assume it's what she really wanted to uh, do, where he's sitting on the ground and she's cutting him from behind, and they, I'm assuming that it's because he's had repressed feelings for him. That she's finally come to terms with, at least. Okay. I gotta talk about this, because this mm. really bothers me. This makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. And the reason it doesn't is because there's no build-up to this. Yeah, and yeah. The entire time, Chiba has done nothing but insult him. Like, not in a playful way. Like, genuinely insult him. And it's just I, I don't get it and i'm not happy that she figures this out because i'm like yeah you're not a good person for him you have done nothing but call him fat spew fat phobic rhetoric and constantly also infantile him like seriously everyone keeps on saying he has the mind of a child and i'm like it, it just i really feel like that came out of nowhere did you guys feel like it made any sense in the story um, like um, Honestly, like even knowing like the trope of the Sundere, I feel like there weren't any dare moments yes. oh, I totally <laughs> for all of the soon. <laughs> so it really didn't make sense. Like I got no, it's not like I like you like vibes Mm-mm. or anything. So it yeah. really just seemed like she hated this dude. And then they're like, no, no, you have repressed feelings for him. And I'm like, she does? I thought she liked the <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's actually, I thought they were going to like. Holy oh, shit! This like, move—it just doesn't make sense. And then here's the thing: people are gonna say, "Oh, like a really pretty woman can't be in love with a fat guy." No, that's not it. If you watch the movie, she's just she literally is belittling him constantly throughout the film. She can't even give him a compliment without insulting him afterwards. So it's just doesn't make any sense. No, she genuinely does not seem like she likes him or likes working with or for him. Like, 
she she seems to just find him grating. She find it almost seems like she finds him repulsive, but yes, yeah. So that scene happens. Okay, now we're getting into the ending, and the ending is super confusing. Um, yeah, Sima is uh, turns into a massive if the uh, humanoid thing, and he's he like begins, pure black. Yeah, he begins mm-hmm. like. Oh, and I guess and starts turning the city all dark and and gray. But then Paprika throws herself into Chiquito's body as well, and a baby emerges from um <laughs> the robotic shell, and it starts sucking up like Kirby and consumes Unai <laughs> to like it starts sucking up so much of him that she starts aging. Yeah, as a, the more she yeah. sets up, the older she becomes. Yep. And, and she's naked. Uh, also a little course. weird. <laughs> and we see boobies again when she is a full mm-hmm. adult. And I know this is going to sound weird coming from me. I'm like, if they're going to show boobies, can they also just give her a vagina? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she smooth looks down like there a like a Barbie doll. Yeah. Give <laughs> that poor woman a bush. <laughs> There's nothing down there, and I just like just give her a vagina or just some labial lips, just something. It looks really weird that she has nothing down Papri- there. Would you prefer paprika red or chiba black? <laughs> hmm. oh, oh my gosh! So see, like even the characters seem confused. It's like, is it over? Are we in the real world, or is this still a dream? Um. And I guess it's the real world because they go to the hospital where Chiquita is. And this is one of the few times we actually see Chiba smile. She's smiling with him and they're talking. About the how detective. they had an amazing dream together, oh, yeah. which yeah. I'm guessing is a dream those two had when they... Maybe. I don't yeah. know. But it and ends like on a happy note. The detective has come to terms with his past. Like He even sees sort of the, the person who he filmed the movie with. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah. And then he, um, Paprika recommends a movie to him. And, Dreaming kids. Yeah, and he, it ends with him going to the movies. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's the end. It. Yeah, this, uh, this, this was really hard for me to decipher a lot of metaphors <laughs> and figure out what the hell is going on. Admittedly, I think this might be the weirdest thing we've watched so far. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean. It's such a beautiful day. I first, I mean, it definitely is way more surreal than that. Like, without oh, yeah. doubt. And, okay, and this is the part where I guess we give our final thoughts and give scores. Uh, Rudy, you want to go first? Well, do we want to... I wanna... did have a oh. couple comments. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ahead, okay. yeah. Yeah, like, some of the things that I was confused by with, like, the first run-through when I watched it was... He did it ever specify exactly why he didn't finish the film with his friend? Did his friend like die during filming? Did he? That's just a good question, actually. Yeah. Graduate high school? Like, I I was just like he feels all this guilt for not finishing this movie, but I just I never I was like, am I just not remembering? Because I do not recall them like ever emphasizing why that film was not completed. Yeah, because it just seems like, see, I originally thought, like, maybe he had, 
there was like a, a case he didn't finish or something and it caused like someone to be murdered. But then when we find out, it's like, oh, because of this film, it's like, okay, that could be sort of traumatizing, but there needs to be a little bit more. And they don't go into detail. Exactly. There's that. And I totally, I didn't totally understand uh, when Paprika and Shiba like split. Are they now just like two entities, or I guess is she... that's how it works in the much dream reality. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of unanswered questions in this movie. Like, it is a really beautiful film, and I think it does a good job with what it's given. But the thing is, is just see, I kind of think they should have maybe edited the fat a little bit more, just because it seems you don't like mean there's that a literally, little bit. Do you? No, no, not literally. <laughs> There's so much going on. Like when we were describing the movie, we were hopping around and it's because there's so much happening in this film. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also I think, think that the, the novel, wasn't it like a serialized or something? I think it was serialized like, originally. Uh, okay. So it seems like there was just a lot to jam into. Like, mm-hmm. you know... How long was this? 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, oh, it was... Oh, it was an hour. Oh, 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 boy. So it either should have been maybe a little longer or they just should have removed some stuff, which, I mean, you can do that when you adapt stuff. Like, you know, the thing about adapting books is you have to look at what's really crucial to the story before you adapt mm-hmm. it into a movie. Like, um, you know, I remember before... J.K. Rowling sucked. Um, a lot of people <laughs> would complain about stuff being left out of the Harry Potter films. I'm like, if they put everything into the Harry Potter films, they'd be like six hours long. Exactly. That's why I personally think that sometimes when they make adaptations, it's uh, it works better as like a mini series, like a series oh, of totally fortunate events. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I wholeheartedly like- agree. Yeah, definitely. And because. Uh- I feel like you're more watching this film just for the beauty of it. Yeah. And sort of the spectacle. Yeah, yeah. that's a real uh, uh, visual, at least for me, at least makes it a watch, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even mm-hmm. if the plot makes no sense and there are some problems. Like, there's times where it's like, you know, the story is not fantastic, but the visuals are enough. This is not like with, you know, the uh, Red Ape family where the story was nonsensical. The characters were very bland but the art was also terrible so it's like there's nothing to enjoy here but with paprika you're really there for enjoying the colorful like visions in it and how they sort of also do the stuff in the dream world um i really would say this is probably one of the best like anime films out there and i think if you are an anime film you should anime fan you should watch it but like i said if you do not like really serious subject matter and you get uncomfortable with like sexual assault probably skip this yeah, that's that's definitely I would agree with that. Yeah, like just looking looking, it was only made in like what two thousand six, two thousand two thousand and eight, and and yeah. yet it's just it's got such smooth animation. Mm-hmm. Like Japan was just da- so damn far ahead. Why do you think uh, America outsourced him um, so much? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just, it really does suck that this was Cone's last movie, but I think it's like, this is sort of a banger to end your, you know, mm-hmm. career on. So it's like, I'm just happy that he's not going to be forgotten because, you know, he was a very important, like, person to anime and film. So 
yeah, All right. He was. Who wants to do their rating first? Um, let's uh, let us guess do that. Luffy, um, what do you want? What are you going to give this? It's out of ten, right? Uh, out of five, actually. Five out of five. Out of five. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it. I'd like to say three point five because I did find the plot a bit confusing and mm-hmm. quite open ended, and. Even when things are surreal, I like to have some questions answered. Oh, yeah. Es- especially, why? Why wasn't didn't he finish his movie? <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I totally like, agree with that. visuals, beautiful. And the voice acting was hot. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Your turn, uh, Jed. Yeah, I'm giving this a three and a half as well. Even though uh, some scenes uh, age pretty badly, he... Uh, the uh, surreal imagery okay. he, uh, still uh, got, caught my attention, uh, even if some stuff about it makes no sense. Like, I get that since it's a dream and dreams can be nonsensical, that's what they were going for, but it still hampered mm-hmm. uh, the plot. Uh, but uh, the visuals kept me at least entertained and worth the price mm-hmm. of admission. I yeah. think I'll give it a four. Because, oh. like, again, I do really love this film, but I do agree with what you guys are saying. There's a lot of things that are not wrapped up neatly, and they should be wrapped up neatly because it just leads you to more questions. And it, I also just think it really would have done better had they maybe had less characters in it and just focused mm-hmm. on one aspect of the plot, just because it seems like there's way too much going on. Maybe, yeah, maybe like one antagonist instead of three. Yeah, like just have one person be the bad guy. And then, like, see, the thing is, we didn't really even understand. I also feel like the villain's motivation didn't make that much sense because, like, if you didn't want this machine to be used, why didn't you just destroy the machine? You decided then to use it. That just doesn't make sense yep. to me. Yeah. All right. It's like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, like, it's like we're protecting dreams. How? By <laughs> making them everybody's problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, doesn't make sense. <laughs> but now it is time for news. Luffy, would you like to join us in talking about news? Okay, uh, do you have... Should I, should I link them to the document or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can link them to the document. Okay, let me just uh, paste it here. We actually don't have that much news. Y- yeah. Which is kind of rare. Uh, it's just scroll all the way to page uh, 32 is where it starts. Do you want to go first, Luffy, or? Um, soon. How do I skip to a page in particular? Um, let's. I guess you just scroll down. Yeah, it says eighteen. Okay, because I'm not. I'm, I'm not as familiar with Google Docs. Yeah, as... no ice. All right. Okay. How about I go first, then Jad, then Luffy? Okay, that Sounds that good. works. All right, so, now people might not know who this is, but once I say what she's known for, people probably will. Astrid Gilberto, the Brazilian singer, has died at age 83, and people's like, I don't know who this is. The song, The Girl from Ipanema, that's her. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yep. She was, that's how she was, she was the one who made that song famous. She has unfortunately passed away at age 83. But she was also really like important to Brazilian music in general. So while she might not have a big impact specifically in, you know, American culture, she's a really big name in Brazilian culture. 
So mm-hmm. she will be missed. I don't think it says um, how she passed away, but yeah, her, I think um, one of her family members posted on Facebook that she had uh, passed away, unfortunately. I see. And I hate to say this. This is one of the few times where there's not been a lot of celebrity yeah. deaths. <laughs> yeah. The, I'm right. thankful for that. Yeah. So I guess I'm next. Uh, I hope I... I I struggle with English. I struggle with Japanese. I struggle with uh, whatever English language this is. So sorry if I'm butchering it, but a new survival action RPG is announced: Ukumane Aztec. Now, from what it looks like, it looks like a Aztec take on Assassin's Creed, where you play as an Aztec who's trying whose uh, village is invaded by Spanish conquistadors, and you have to. Who was uh, stealthily take him out out and and while surviving the the uh, harsh harsh climates of the land and while also saving your people uh, against the uh, Spanish invaders. That just that, sounds like so much fun. That does sound like fun, and these screenshots look amazing. The details they have yeah. put in the character designs and the uh, settings. This looks like it could be really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks beautiful. And we right. always need more games that show, you know, other sides of um, History. other cultures. So, yeah. 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 Your turn, Luffy. Awesome. So, The Wiz uh, is getting a Broadway revival. If you're it's about goddamn time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with The Wiz, it was a 1978 American musical adventure fantasy film. That was based on, obviously, The Wizard of Oz, but with an all-black cast. And they, of course, then made it for stage, and it has had... Actually, the uh, stage started out first, and then the movie came after. Damn it! Yeah, like, uh, the it's stage because... was more faithful to, uh, uh, like, uh, in the musical took mm-hmm. place in Kansas. Dorothy was a young girl, and the music mm-hmm. had yeah. a more uh, jazzy soul or tone to it. And then, oh yeah, I mixed yeah. it up. The uh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the play came out four years before. That is my bad, but Fine. I definitely am excited to hear that it's coming back because I actually mm-hmm. did really love the movie. Oh, um, you see, I, I want to say something. I am a massive Wizard of Oz fan, and while the Wiz is not a perfect adaptation, I do understand why some people have um, like fond memories of it. But mm-hmm. I found out that the person who directed it was not a black person. It was no, a white person. No, no. That's what. That's why it failed. They, uh, that doesn't surprise. Uh, like uh, they got the whitest people in Hollywood to work on it, and they took <laughs> way too many liberties. Like Dorothy was now a middle-aged woman in Harlem, and mm-hmm. oh my, it was played God. by the amazing. Like, it was played by the amazing Diana Ross, but she was really miscast. Oh, definitely. We might do an episode on that because there's a whole, like, history with, like, before the film, like, was even filmed, there were issues. But, yeah, oh, it didn't. I would love to hear that. It, did, yeah, it really didn't do that well, and I think one of the reasons was just because, I'm not saying that, like, white people can't direct movies with black people, but you could tell it was a white person trying mm-hmm. really uh, hard to connect to black people. It was awkward. Eat your heart out, Ralph Bakshi. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so far the uh, only way I was able to see an accurate adaptation of The Wiz was through that NBC Live stage show. But oh, uh, 
Yeah, but this Broadway A adaptation, A revival, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I hope that it moves around the country because if it comes, uh, we have oh, a yeah. playhouse by us that has a mm -hmm. lot of stuff coming through. I would definitely want to get tickets to go see. Oh yeah, it's going to have a national here. tour this fall. Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. Um, yeah. See, it's been a while since they've done The Wiz, I think, on Broadway. Yeah. Like, a very yeah, long time. I think the film kind of dampened its legacy, in my opinion. Probably. All right. Ooh, I'm honestly, excited about this. Honestly, it took, took a minute for, for them to, I think, promote more shows involving and surrounding people of color. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially as the main cast. Because we've talked about this. There was this really weird period of time where, like, Hollywood and even Broadway was like nobody wants to watch movies featuring people of color. We've just now sort of started um, doing it more, you know, like having more movies yep. not focusing on white people because it was just really weird. Because like people just were like, yeah, people of color don't go to the movies. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I'm really excited about this news. Yay! Oh yeah. Musical talent and new animatronics announced for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Oh, God, yeah. I'm so excited. That sounds really cool. Should we yeah, give them the so, long story I mean, short on the history of this at ride? Or? Yeah, yeah, let's give them the, 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 the little history about it. Um, so the one of the more famous rides at both Disneyland and Disney World was the ride Splash Mountain. Now, if you've never been to Disney or you don't know anything about Disney, Splash Mountain was inspired by the movie The Song of the South, mm -hmm. which Disney kind of, it seems like it's Disney's greatest shame. Yeah, the and elephant in a bad. room. And like uh, in, around the 80s, around the time the ride opened, they put it from distribution. And then uh, mm -hmm. uh, after decades and of new management, they'll help and I keep it in a Disney fault. Yeah, like they yeah. did release it on DVD, but it wasn't by Disney. It was by another company. And yeah, I was like, some how European is that even company. possible? Yeah. And like people were like, well, why is that? Well, because see, Song of the South is based on the tales of Briar Rabbit. And people's like, what's wrong with that? Well, it was more the execution of how they did it. And the live action segments. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. So. See, the thing is, is like people are like, how is this movie considered racist? Again, it's more with like the execution because um, there was a character called, oh, what was the character's Uncle name? Uncle Remus. Uncle Remus, yeah. And he was sort of like the person who told the stories of Briar Rabbit. So they had Uncle Remus in the movie and he just was sort of like, yeah. the way they did it, it was like, hey, slavery was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't actually it, say it. Yeah, it should be noted. Oh, sorry. Uh, if I'm incorrect, I could be incorrect, but isn't Uncle Ruckus based off? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. And uh, one thing it's a note is that it's supposed to take place after the Civil War, but the film did nothing to uh, clarify that, like, at all. Mm -mm. And also just, again, and also I don't even think the guy who played Uncle Remus was allowed to go to the premiere if I No, because of segregation laws. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he it was. Sound, the, the film just has a history of racism. And also the thing is, is um, like the characters of Briar Rabbit and Briar Fox and Briar Bear, who are like the three main characters, you don't see their walk around characters that much mm -mm. in the parks. Mm -hmm. You can see them every once in a while, but it's very rare. And you, I don't even think Prayer Rabbit has a walk around character. I think it's just Prayer Fox and Prayer Bear. I think. 
Yeah, I'm sure on that. Yeah, apparently they've been trying to think of a retheming and for years, and oh, with really? them uh, getting this uh, famous dis black Disney princess who, with a film located in the South, they figured uh, the timing was good, perfect, and they should just retheme out the princess and the frog. Mm-hmm. Which makes more sense, but also, like, I know a lot of people's like, oh, they're replacing Splash Mountain, I'm so sad. But here's another thing. Splash Mountain was an extremely old ride. Yeah, some of the effects and animatronics don't exactly work as well as they used to. Nope. See, um, I watch a lot of, like, videos about um, parks, like, you know, Defunct Lamb, TMP Vids, all that stuff. And there's a lot of people who would, people who send in, um animatronics failing to tmp vids and like almost every single time there's always one from splash mountain now the thing about splash mountain is it opened up let's see let's see um, the, the disneyland first and opened up in 1989 i believe and mm-hmm. i think the disney Magic one was 1992 yeah and see the thing is is the animatronics came from a previous attraction america called, sings um, yeah yep so, and that one was much older. America Sings is not around anymore. And so the animatronics are ancient, like mm-hmm. in animatronic years, because America Sings was 1974. So these animatronics are like, what, about 40 years old? Also, uh, they sorry. like were on a, a ride that involves so much water. Oh, yeah. It just seems like a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. with old <laughs> electronics. Oh yeah. And speaking of water, the there was a common problem of the uh, logs for the ride starting to sink with guests having to evacuate, right. which was mm-hmm. a sign they had to do a major overhaul. So mm-hmm. this was going to happen sooner or later. So like we've said, they decided, hey, let's do Tiana. So it's going to be like um, Tiana needs like a special ingredient for like a Mardi Gras parade or something. Mm-hmm. And so they've been working on this for. A while I think they announced it in 2020 maybe yeah I can't remember either that and give or take a year and uh yeah mm-hmm. they uh got some uh award-winning artists working on the soundtrack and songs for the ride PJ Morton and Terrence Blake card uh yep. both uh from the looks of it are from New Orleans which is a perfect uh fit yep because that's where the story takes place mm-hmm and, this and it's ro- a very unique sound, like, oh, yeah. that area. Zydeco music, yeah. So uh-huh. this hopefully is going to be opening in 2024, fingers crossed. Um, so I'm, like, looking forward to it, just because it does seem like Disney is putting a lot of effort into this ride, which I'm thankful mm-hmm. for. Yeah, I hope all I right. uh, get to go there yeah. when it opens. We should all go together. <laughs> Yo, hell yeah. <laughs> Road trip. Isn't it yeah. in Florida, though? <laughs> it's going um, to Florida, California because both. I was a little afraid of Florida. Both. <laughs> it's opening up in both. Yep. Ooh, then yes. <laughs> All right. So this one is your Jad. You added this one too. Oh yeah, and uh, some sad news: seventy-five employees have got laid off from Pixar, which is, Ooh. and uh, they some of them were even, well, most of them were executive positions. Uh, some were with the company since its early days. One of them, um, let's see, the uh, a uh, let's see, um, where are the names? Uh, Galen Susan, Susan, I, I, sorry for putting your name, but uh, 
Yeah, she was with the company since the first Toy Story movie, and she was an unsung hero because in working on Toy Story 2, the, uh, foot, the animation of the film accidentally got deleted off the work computers at Pixar. And she just oh, yeah. happened to have a spare copy of the film she was working on at home, so without her, oh, we wouldn't have gotten a Toy Story 2. But She's been with the company since 1995, and they're firing her. That doesn't mm-hmm. sit right with me. No, yeah. I don't get that. And uh, another notable departure is Agnes McLean, who recently directed the film Lightyear, which explains why he got the axe. Okay, but hang on. I want to ex- say something about Lightyear. Did mm-hmm. anyone see them advertise for this movie? Uh, um, no, not as much. I saw one advertisement for it, I think, but it wasn't It wasn't uh, anything big. And honestly, it just didn't look all that interesting. Yeah, but- yeah. I know, like, to me, I was like, I think I'm going to skip this, but I feel like with both Lightyear and Strange New World, Disney did not advertise no, them at- mm-hmm. No, this was during that weird uh, period where they were gung-ho on streaming during the Chapek channel, where he had, like, his, well, yeah, it was just us focusing more on streaming rather than uh, theatrical releases, which... Mm-hmm. yeah. And according to this article, Lightyear could not be shown in 14 Middle Eastern and Asian countries because of its depiction of a same-sex relationship. Which and is on screen for that four seconds. Was, was like a kiss in the background. That's like, it. Yeah. A kiss on the cheek. That was it. Yeah. Guys, like it was, uh, I have seen hentai that is much more gay <laughs> than that. Just trust me on this, okay? Jesus. Yeah, and this the, is ridiculous. Argument can even be made on the uh, homophobic laws of other countries because Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness also features a prominent gay character and was spent in all those other countries but made more money than the original, like $800 million. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, okay, so I think someone also said, I don't, like, I think another thing is nobody was really needing the backstory of Buzz Lightyear, you know? We didn't need the inspiration behind the toy. And it just felt, yeah. like, yeah. I think another thing is people felt it felt kind of sluggish and slow, mm-hmm. like, it just, it couldn't hold people's interest, you know? Yeah, but I just but, thought it was half. It's like, I absolutely love the animatronic cat at though. But I'm a cat fan. <laughs> I think fan. that's the only good part. Yeah, that's the only good part of it. But like, would, again, go ahead, Luffy. Yeah, I would say we especially didn't need it because if anyone else is old like me, they will remember Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, the animated. <gasps> yes. Series. Oh, yes. I used to slip the disc after hearing that title. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> God, we're old. I have, get, I have to get my Werthers and Pringy to continue this. <laughs> Hang on, but, I gotta go yell at some kids to get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I thought that that was a fun little background story for it. I would have liked to see something more in line with that than oh yeah, what seemed like it was meant to be more like a biopic of like Buzz Aldrin, basically. Yeah, but now he's Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, it just the, uh, felt aside. weird to have this like really serious story mm-hmm. related to Toy Story of all things. It just felt yeah. weird. Go ahead, Jen. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, it was just a random fact about how the guys who developed that Star Command show went on to make Kim possible. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. 
and here's the thing i'm not saying that the director is not at fault for the movie being bad but it's like if you don't advertise the movie people are not going to see it like it's really weird how i didn't even see that many toys for the movie either and that's like disney's bread and butter especially since it's based on freaking yeah. toy story <laughs> yeah so see and the thing is is despite like Disney making money. Disney is having some issues. Like we talked about how in our last episode, they have to, they're closing down the galactic star cruiser hotel. Um, mm-hmm. They're having problems at the parks because people are not stay. Like people are quitting to find better jobs and they, for some reason can't figure out, you know, why. So it's like, you know, they're, they're having some issues. So I'm not, unfortunately, well, I hate layoffs. I'm unfortunately not surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I guess like when things like this happen, it's like I wish that they would learn that maybe I don't know paying people living wage, mm-hmm. things like that might work, it might help. Yeah, and it's not like Disney doesn't have the money. We know they do. They're just being lazy and don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, gonna have to do something I, eventually because this is not gonna this is not gonna work. They can't keep doing this. Yeah, because because I I honestly think that that uh the I saw Lightyear. Um, the only reason I knew that it was happening was because I saw um, a poster at the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Because my friend and I went to see, um, what is that recent, uh, it was that um, a vampire movie where, like, it was basically Dracula and, and she goes to, like, England or whatever. It's oh, a, that sounds interesting. It was, it was interesting. It was a, um, it was a a young black woman who a uh, oh, I heard like, about connected that. with her family through um like ancestry.com mm-hmm. and they basically brought her over and she was she was essentially meant to be Dracula's like third bride in his polyamorous relationship. Oh <laughs> I need to check this and movie out. She, it sounds uh, interesting. It was fun. And she um you know is like mm, no I don't like this plan. Yeah, I'm not into this. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, so, again, I kind of feel like part of the issue with Lightyear failing was on Disney for just not advertising the gosh darn thing. Mm-hmm. But now we're on to our next bit of news. Take it away, okay. Luffy. All right. We, uh, it, if I click the next one correctly, um, they are looking at rebooting the Pirates of the Caribbean oh franchise. God. No, just, just make a Monkey Island movie. I want to see Jai Bush <laughs> Threepwood on a big screen. Just make any other pirate movie. Am I the one who's confused by this? Like, why yeah. are they? I'm... I don't get it. Yeah, especially after the My... last film that underperformed. Oh yeah. My biggest guess is perhaps that again they want to. Um, try to uh, separate this from Mr. Jack. Uh, uh, you know what? Would, would be my that guess. might be it. That actually might be it. You might be right because this the second one here actually kind of sounds fun. In 2020, a report surfaced that uh, Margot Robbie would star in a female-led reboot Ooh. from the. From Bumblebee writer Christina Hodson. That would, would have be, been good. Was not intended to be a spinoff, but a new story with a new character set in the universe. That would have been really but interesting to see. Apparently this was shelved, no. although Why? there were also um, 
they were looking at pretty big name actors to star alongside her, including Jane, Jason Momoa, Richard Madden, and Sebastian Stan. Oh, no, bring this what? Back. Oh, we were robbed. Oh, man. We were we fucking had robbed. A, oh, man. Why not? I hope that comes out of development hell, man. That's oh, me too. Because they have a character in Pirates of the P- Caribbean now. They replaced the, uh, like, the like the auctioning off the women scene and added a female pirate that people call red because of her red hair and she's wearing red so it's like why not have margot robbie be her oh, and she yeah. could she's so athletic mm-hmm. oh yeah she, and yeah. she's really good we have seen her play established characters well like she's fantastic as harley quinn oh, and she's definitely doing, we know she we know she's gonna be good in the barbie movie she is gonna be phenomenal so it's like why the hell would you just scrap this Because, see, I do agree with Luffy. I think they might be doing this because they are trying their hardest to sort of distance themselves from depth. Yeah. Because here's the thing. like, go ahead and make a new character, a new Jack Sparrow. Mm. That might be it. mm Because, see, the thing about Disney, regardless of the issues I've had with them, it's like when they're like, you know what? We're not going to work with this person anymore. They're consistent. And, see, Mm -hmm. the thing about the last Pirates movie – Johnny Depp was like, okay, so Johnny Depp had a few things he would do. He would either show up late, mm-hmm. he would show up six hours late, Oof. he would show up late and drunk, or he wouldn't oh. show up at all. Oh. oh very. What a professional. I, I know, right? I say with the utmost sarcasm. <laughs> like, the thing is, is what people don't seem to understand is that if you go behind budget and behind schedule that costs you a lot of money so Mm -hmm. like the thing was it's just like it wasn't worth it to keep him around Mm -hmm. you know it's like what's the point of hiring him if he's not going to do his job and the thing is he also got enough in a fight on the set of another movie he attacked us someone on set who was just doing their job so they were just like you know what this is not worth it we're not gonna you know, we're not going to keep them because also like the thing is the last movie did not do that well at the box office. Like Jad said, mm-hmm. it underperformed tremendously. Yep. So I think, and also just, this is some coming from an ex fan of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp's career has not been that good. Like Mm-mm, it never recovered. Oh no. Um, I feel like, I feel like it kind of started with Willy Wonka when his acting just sort of stagnated and after that yeah. it was just misfire after misfire like and even like, I gotta agree with that because like and here's the thing I do think he is a genuinely talent he was a genuinely talented person he genuinely was but again I feel like after Willy Wonka something just happened and he couldn't be different characters he just had to sort of be the weirdo in a hat mm-hmm. the only film that I thought that he did well in that came after Willy Wonka was Rango. And he was not on screen for that, so maybe that's why. (laughs) That might have something to do with it. So, I mean, on one hand, I understand why they sort of want to reboot it. It does make sense if they're like, we really need to distance ourselves from, you know, Depp because he's just Mm -hmm. become box office poison. His most recent film, everyone's like, this is going to be his great comeback. Nope. <laughs> it has had some really, really bad reviews, and I doubt it's going to be released here in the States. I didn't even know we had a most recent. Oh, yeah, it's about, um, I think, one of the mistresses of one of the various kings. Hang on, I'm, I'm going to. It's called Jean Duberry. 
And it has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh! (laughs) And that's sad because Mm -hmm. maybe with another dude it would have been fun because Madame Du Barry was a very interesting figure. She she had just as much power as the Queen and stuff. Like in France, she was treated very well. And everybody likes a good, like, biographic documentary you know like a a drama people love this stuff we eat it up but it's like they cast the worst person to play uh louis i think it was louis the eighth yeah i think it's louis yeah because like people were talking just about how he was very awkward he didn't deliver his lines properly and i don't know if this is 100 percent true because i haven't seen the movie but there's a part where um Louis gets sick and they put like Rice Krispies on his face to simulate the sickness. I don't, I don't understand why. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, I just, I don't see his makeup department. (laughs) I guess maybe they ran out of makeup. I have no idea, but like, there's no way Deb's career is going to come back. And I just also, I kind of understand why Disney wants to distance themselves, but I think, um, the issue is, it's just, you know, we're getting kind of tired of the remakes and the reboots. Mm-hmm. We're getting, like, really exhausted. So it's like, maybe, I don't know, maybe just wait a little. Yeah. But also, I don't know a lot of people who are like, oh my gosh, we need more Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. No, I, I don't either, actually. I have to agree with that. I just want Guy mm. Buzz, Neil Patrick Harris to play Guy Buzz Threepwood. I think he oh would gosh, be perfect he would actually as a be really character. good at that. Yeah. That would be awesome. And Jason Momoa as LeChuck. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> okay, yeah. so I'm excited to talk about this, too. I'm seeing this this weekend. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Oh, I awesome. haven't seen it yet. I have to put it Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse swings to massive 120.5 million opening. Woo. Now that is actually a record for Sony Animation. Like they haven't had a single film oh, yeah. with a uh, at least an animated one that had about a hundred million dollar opening weekend until this one. And domestically, mm-hmm. I mean, and worldwide, it made two hundred eight million. So already, it's going to be on track to outgross the first film. Oh, of course. Um. See, I found it interesting because people seem almost like genuinely shocked, and I'm like, "How?" It's Spider Man, and then Spider Verse. <laughs> the first movie won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, and yeah, yeah. could have got the Golden Globe, and uh, there was one more it won. I can't remember which one it was, but it, like it killed it at like the awards ceremonies, like it. Yeah destroyed its competition and it was up against another it was up against i think a disney film and i think there might have been a pixar film yeah disney year. i can't pixar, remember uh i believe there was a leica film mm, oh yeah that's right there was a oh, lot of right. oh go ahead yeah. yeah no i i was trying to think of the film and i'm like seeing the categories in my head and i can't remember if it's accurate or not okay see the only thing i remember is um i'm I'm also looking it up on wikipedia but um the sequel to uh wreck it ralph came out that year too oh yeah and Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I don't know who did this if they sold, told a Target employee to do that, but somebody oh. put oh. <laughs> winner of the best Oscar and like best animated picture Oscar after yeah. like um, <laughs> the award ceremony. Oh, that's great. And uh, yeah, it, it's I find that hilarious. That's a heads so up. So I was against. Uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, just heads up before oh. you see the movie. Uh, it's. Yeah, they got a. It's a supposed to be a two-part movie, so uh, mm-hmm. be prepared for a cliffhanger. Is all I'll say. Yeah, like I was gonna I wait until um, like it came out on DVD. It's like I'm not gonna be able to wait for this to come out on DVD. I'm so excited about this movie, so I'm just gonna go ahead and see it. I know the cliffhanger is gonna frustrate me. Yeah, I wish they wanted to call it Across the Spider Verse Part One. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like I, the term part the one. The only thing that I have heard that makes me a little bit sad is that Peter B is not like in it a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I really like Peter B. B. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, everyone online was simping for Miguel O'Hara. Oh, yeah. What I hear. <laughs> He's the new flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, you'll see so- a lot more flavors in the movies, all I'll just say. <laughs> yeah. I'm really genuinely excited to yeah, see this, here. but also like, I think this also, this proves two things. One, there's no way an AI could direct a movie like this or write a movie mm. like this. Two, mm. animation is a genre that is worthy of respect. Like I keep saying this, but it's like Hollywood's like, oh, no one wants to watch animated movies. These movies make millions of dollars. Hell yeah. Mario just passed like the 1 billion mark and outgrows the live action Lion King. Like, um, I was on uh, the YouTube Ooh, recently and, <laughs> and saw somebody review an anime, which I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with. It's called Made in Abyss. Oh, yeah. And they I've were talking about, they were like upset, like this kids show has stuff that's not appropriate for kids. And I'm like, <laughs> it is very much not for it's kids. Not it's not for children. It's like. It was never intended for children. I honestly, I had to nope out of the series because there's just some lolicon shit in it that I just didn't know about. But, like, Mm. it is very much... That's like someone So that's like someone complaining about uh, Rick and Morty not being family-friendly. But I think there is, like, a miss... um, Like, there's this thing that cartoons are for children if it's animated it's for kids nope and like that just really doesn't allow the true expanse of the genre and that makes me sad yeah like last week we reviewed um it's such a beautiful day and it's a bunch of stick figures but it deals with some really serious subject matter and i'm like i wouldn't show this to a child and i also don't think a child would be interested in this it's not Mm -hmm. a story for a kid Mm -hmm. No. And anyway, uh, we uh, got some uh, news you might be excited about. Uh, Hocus Pocus 3 is in development. Like, hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised about this one because this two was straight to streaming. Hmm. Yeah, this I'm took me by surprise. I'm not sure how to feel about this. It seems like... Uh, Around the Halloween season, Disney found a new cast cow. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I think that's it. Because <laughs> it used to be Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like they which got I the, love. Yeah, like but the, yeah, this sorry. seems like their new cash cow for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they guys still got it over in California Adventure, but at Magic Kingdom, they're like having hocus pocus, have a stage show every Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was also one of the cases where Hocus Pocus was technically delivered flop. under the um it was like it was a flop, but it got popular because you know of um people renting it on VHS back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, you know, people who grew up with the film, but also I think it was Touchstone who released this originally. Oh uh, yeah, it was Disney's Touchstone brand. It yeah. Was. I think it was they the same it with so Nightmare much on the Disney Channel. It was, I think, also the same thing with um, Nightmare Before Christmas. And they didn't start being like, hey, this is our work until they realized they could make money off nerds. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone's like, there's so much Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. There wasn't for a very long time. Like, because mm-hmm. see, the film came out in 1993. And I don't think it was like until maybe 2000, maybe 10-ish. Yeah, like, we started seeing more Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like Nightmare Before Christmas is even in Kingdom Hearts. Yep, that's that's honestly the first time I ever realized. Wait, it's a Disney movie. <laughs> I bet that surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it wasn't like. It's not like it is now where it's like every other day they released, hey, guess what? There's a new Nightmare Before Christmas Funko Pop. It's like, ugh. Disney, slow down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, here's something that's not slowing down. You got this, Luffy. Do I? Okay. So, ooh. They, <laughs> um, the members of sag aftra screen actors guild nine yep the actors guild um voted 97.91 percent supported uh strike authorization that's a huge number yeah so they're most likely going on strike yeah they're joining the writers and directors now i was saying honestly (laughs) I think that this may have an even bigger impact oh, hell yeah. than the 2007 yep, oh, yeah. strike because the actors did not go on strike Mm-mm. in mm-hmm. 2007. No, they did and not. I know, I know that if, like people have been saying things like, well, people like Jamie Lee Curtis and blah, 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 they don't need to go on strike. They make plenty of money and whatever. But think about all of those extras oh, yeah. who don't make much money and mm-hmm. People who struggle to have any authority in their career because, like, I was, you know, considering people talk about, like, marginalized people. To use black women as an example, I've heard people be upset with um, black actresses for taking, quote unquote, sassy roles Mm -hmm. and not, like, standing out, like, waiting for something better. But at the same time, I'm like, they have to pay the bills. Exactly. And That's all they've got they have, sometimes. Yeah. Do they have the choice to, to say nope. no at like, and still be safe in their career? And yeah. Like, there's a lot of instances, too, where people like, okay, um, another thing like this is an example. Um, the movie uh, Music by Sia, 
the young actress who had to play the autistic character in that, she didn't want to do it, but everybody around her was saying, you have to do it, you know? So it's like, we got child actresses and actors, we got actors of color, uh, like, and also the world of Hollywood is still not really kind to like actresses in general, Mm -hmm. you know, there's still a lot of, um, catch casting couches, but also, Another thing is AI is also a threat to actors because they're like, we're going to use AI and use actors likenesses in commercials without their consent or also like have them sign mm-hmm. contracts where it's like you have to put your voice in like a database. That, is, that is some. Just- yeah, that is fucked Ugh. up. No, that is dystopian. We're not doing mm-hmm. that. So I'm not surprised I've- they're joining the strike, too. Oh, yeah, yeah I've seen some of those uh, like puppety ai things <laughs> speaking and they just they have no oh, soul thank you. I think and they terrify me the only time <laughs> i uh, was ever entertained by those deep fake videos was when trey parker and matt stone made one uh mocking uh <laughs> ai and deep fake in general like trey parker even had his nine-year-old daughter play a, a deep fake of jared kushner who referred to donald <laughs> trump as quote his daddy-in-law <laughs> i think that it- it's still so yeah. wild that he has kids. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe, yeah. But here's the thing. Has, so I've just noticed something. It's like almost each year we've had sort of the next big thing and then it turns out to be not the next big thing and then like mm-hmm. people don't talk about it anymore. AI mm-hmm. is already becoming that next big thing. Oh, like yeah. It was right next yeah. to Crypto, uh, cryptocurrency, NFT, NFTs, yep. and uh, Google Glass. Speaking of, good segue, by the way. You got this, Ro- That is a good segue, actually. All righty. Apple Vision Pro is unveiled. Yeah, and here's some more dystopian shit right here. Apple is pushing it as a mix between augmented reality and virtual reality of Pfizer's, which you're supposed to use to play games, watch TV, etc. And Disney mm-hmm. is... Surprisingly, throwing a lot of weight behind that, saying day one Disney Plus, ESPN, Hulu will all be supported on there. And well, I can assume it's just a pre-rendered trailer about it, which is no going to be nowhere near as close to how it actually runs. And of course not. Yeah. And another thing that it's Apple we're talking about. Tons of lo- that's definitely going to make this uh, fail is a price tag of. $3,500. Excuse me? Yeah, this costs $3,500 <laughs> to buy. That's, like, that's too VR much headsets already mm-hmm. cost a lot of money. And this... This costs way too much shit. No. Okay, okay. I'm out. Is it just me? Or does anybody really feel like... um? People who are making products these days are really out of touch with how much money people have. Uh, you're absolutely right. Very much. You're absolutely so. right. Because we were talking last week about the the reason one of the reasons the Galactic Cruiser is closing down is because a two day stay was like five thousand dollars. Seven thousand. I don't know anyone who has yeah seven thousand. I don't know anyone who has that much money to drop on a two day vacation, and I don't know anyone who has this much money to drop on a VR headset. I just went to. Nope. Google, not Google, Amazon, you can get a reality headset for $300. Yeah. Well, that's still a lot. That's much more manageable than $3,000. I just, 
I feel like I people because Apple thinks that the people who are buying from them, these Apple Bros or whatever, they they just think they're paying for like quality by getting Apple the same way that assholes buy Teslas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not a good idea to bank all of your success on one certain group because you're not oh, going to make not. money that way. And again, it's just like, again, I really feel like one of the reasons a lot of these things are failing is just because the people who are making them are so out of touch with what normal modern day people are able to purchase and what they cannot purchase. True. And it just like, that's a lot of money to waste on something too, especially because again, this is Apple. Anything they release, there's always issues like, oh, every single yeah. time. And that's just the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, this is nobody's, nobody's going to, I mean, there, I do think there's going to be some people who will buy it, but like most people are just going to be like, no, thank you. Nobody needs this. Okay. But people do need this and unfortunately they're not getting it. Hayao Miyazaki's uh, latest film, How Do You Live, which is opening in Japan next month, isn't getting a trailer. Like, at all. Like, not sure why. My, my man's just banking on the fact that he put Hayao Miyazaki in front of that and everybody's gonna go see it. I don't know. That's I mean, that's seems- true. But it seems weird that they're not making any ta- like trailers, like not even teaser trailer. That just seems yeah, kind of yeah, l- strange. Uh, like, uh, uh, it's, from the looks of it, it's going to have a very, very minimalistic uh, advertising campaign to the point where it's almost non-existent. Which is surprising. I don't even think yeah. they've released the plot. Yeah, they haven't even released the plot of this movie. It's just we got a name and we got a poster. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, no, it's... um. It's based on a novel. Okay, let me see what the novel is. It's about a 15-year-old high school student known as Capero after the um, astronomer Nicholas Copernicus. He's really popular and gifted. His father passes away. It doesn't sound like there's much going on here. It sounds like sort of just a slice-of-life thing. Honestly, him basing it off of a book doesn't necessarily mean much because, as people have pointed out, like Howl's Moving Castle is nothing. Oh, yeah. Howl's Moving Castle is very different from the book, Mm -hmm. but not in a bad way. It's just, um, yeah. It's their own thing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to do well regardless just because it's Hayao Miyazaki. They keep saying it's his last film, quote unquote. I'm like, he said that like three other times. (laughs) This man's never going to stop until he's dead. (laughs) At this point, it's Hayao Miyazaki's last film. Is basically George R. R. Martin is finishing. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's like he, the only way he's gonna stop is like if he's dead. It's like there's no way this is his last film. But I'm looking forward to it. It's Hayao Miyazaki. And so now it is your turn, um, Luffy. Unless you want me to take this one. Yeah. Oh no, I got yeah, this one. All right. Uh, because actually, I am familiar with this case i've been following it since he was um first arrested so that 70s show actor and lifelong church of scientology member no no that explains it jamie Hmm. masterson was convicted on two of three counts of forcible rape and he's likely going to spend 30 years in jail. Good. Yeah. Which I am honestly astonished 
that they managed to convict him considering that he is a white man in Hollywood. (laughs) Snap, snap, snap. (laughs) Well, not to mention, I also think that wasn't there another... um, I think there had been another case featuring him, and I think he got off. But I think they might... This might have been a a different case that they got him on. Yeah, he's, he's apparently currently 47. Um, and, and yeah, in 2017, three women filed allegations against him. And so this has been going on for ages. And then in 2019, they filed, uh, four different women filed a lawsuit against Masterson and the Church of Scientology for stalking. Oh, jeez. So he's My a double God. creep. Fuck this guy. Jesus. The, uh, the Church of Scientology to protect its members and any defectors will often send their little goonies mm-hmm. to harass them. Basically, they were trying to harass these women into withdrawing their complaints. Oh I God. can't remember her name, but there's a fame. There's an actress who was part of Scientology, but she somehow managed to escape it. And Leah Remney. Yes, Leah Remney. She has been so open um, about what it was like. Mm-hmm. And they hate her for it. They're still going after her today. She's like literally probably the bravest woman I can think of. So I'm not really surprised that, you know, one of the reasons they had like trouble getting anything to stick was because of Scientology. Yeah. And uh, she she actually has a show. It's called uh, Aftermath um, of Scientology with Leah Remney where she talks to other defectors, as well as people who have left other cults. She's and amazing. Stuff yeah. like that. It's really cool. It's a very interesting show. I kind of am hoping maybe with this case being sort of more high profile, maybe people will start sort of taking the threats of Scientology more seriously. Because I feel like a lot of people just sort of brush it off as like a fake, you know, religion. And while that may be true, there's been a lot of really terrible things that have happened within the Church of Scientology that have not seen the light of day. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think that what frustrates me about a lot of these like movements is that people see them more as a joke (laughs) than an actual threat. And that's incredibly frustrating given some of the stuff that's happened because of Scientology and their beliefs, as well as things like, incels and mm-hmm. mormons and anything else that people think is just more fun to laugh at that there's no real threat yeah so hopefully this will maybe cause more investigations yeah. into scientology yeah but i'm i'm glad this man is going to jail i am glad he is off the streets the only thing that really frustrated me is that his wife is like continuing to stand by his oh, side and i'm like no why unfortunately i'm not surprised well it's like it's not it's not going to help you in the long run. I mean, I know it's really not. So it's just like, you know, uh, I think B- Bijou Phillips is her name. Um, yeah. Like it's like, you know, he's going to be in jail for 30 years. Are you seriously going to wait yeah. for this guy for 30 uh, years and not like move on with uh, your life? God, Come this on. Is, this is like how Figman Yana's wife is going after his victims on Twitter. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. So yes, her name is Bijou Phillips. 
What's what a name? An interesting mm-hmm. name. That's a French name. It's a very, I'm sorry, that's a very pretentious name. I just have to say it. <laughs> I thought Bijou's were a dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that could be That's a Bichon Frise. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So I'm next. Ooh. And some more good news. All right. Yes, more good news. A judge finds that the Tennessee ban, uh, the Tennessee law to ban drag queens and drag is unconstitutional. Yeah. Yay. And uh, what's surprising yep. about that is it was a judge appointed by Donald Trump, which I found to be the most surprising. Oh yeah, wow! Surprising. Yeah, that is surprising. Um, yeah, the Eternal General Jonathan Scrimetti, who dis- appealed the decision. Okay, no, no, okay. Yeah, like, see, the thing is, is people were saying, um, you know, it's going against the First Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. And it is. Like, um, like someone is trying to say this doesn't suppress the First Amendment law. Yes, it does. A it man does. dressing in a dress or wearing makeup and a wig, that is their, that is his right. If he mm-hmm. wants to dress up as a woman and perform, that is his right. It's the same if a woman wants to be a drag king, you know, and... The thing is also, I think the people in, like, Tennessee weren't thinking about how this was also going to affect, like, other aspects of Tennessee. Because I yep. think even, like, theater troops were saying, like, we're not going to perform in, like, Tennessee, you know? We're not going to tour there yeah. and stuff. Can't have any performances of Hairspray. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, yeah. Bugs or, Bunny like, banned in the state know, of Tennessee. <laughs> bunch of mo- oh, oh, all the Medea movies are banned mm-hmm. because that's a man in drag so yeah. like I'm very thankful just because you know I mean if you haven't been paying attention to the news the the right wing extremists have been going full hog with trying to strip LGBT people of their rights and drag is really at core a part of a massive part of like you know drag history of, of LGBT history oh, drag queens are essential to our history Absolutely. And they're not going to stop at drag queens or trans trans people. Oh, sorry. And uh, for those of you who think about brushing it off, they're not going to stop at drag queens or transgender people. They're going to come out to the rest of the community after this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I also think, like, another thing is just, um, I'm just going to say this as me personally. I feel more comfortable with drag queens than I do like members of the clergy. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause uh, hell yeah, you see a lot more uh, priests and clergymen uh, get arrested for pedophilia, and now I see a drag queen makes the headlines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everyone has been doing this thing where it's like if someone gets exposed for being like a predator. Um, to children, they're like, oh, hey, look, it's an, oh, wait, that's not a drag queen. That's like a pastor or a priest or a teacher. So it's just, yeah. it's really frustrating. Yeah. Or any other flavor of usually a cis <laughs> Yep. Again, like we said, it's like, they're not going to stop at the drag queens. They're going to come for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So it's really good that a judge saw this and said, this is not yeah. constitutional. Because honestly, you will never be hetero enough for them to not want to eradicate us. Like, oh, yeah. I know that some people think that, I, I don't know, they can toe the line just enough for it to not be an issue, but it, they can't. You can't. Well, see, <laughs> another thing is I, I really love drag culture and everything. I've considered becoming a drag performer myself, mm. but I know a lot about 
drag queens, and one of them um, named Tempest Dujour. She was um, in the, I think, I can't remember which season of RuPaul's Drag Face she was on, but she has been open about her two children. She loves her children, and she talks about them constantly, so it's like, you know, if they were going to ban drag, it's like the next thing they would probably try to take children away from Mm -hmm. drag performers, like, who have them, or, you know, try to get them fired and stuff. It's like, this was just going to set a really ugly precedent. Thankfully, exactly what they're trying to do in Florida. Yeah, yeah exactly. So thankfully, they nipped this in the bud. Yeah, hopefully they nip it in the bud yeah, in the other states as well. Oh, yeah. Also, we have some more good news coming right up. Oh, yeah. Japan passes a law about uh, regulating AI, particularly AI art. Uh, let's see. I only heard glimpses and pieces of it, but uh, apparently AI generated artwork cannot be a pot copyrighted. Like, if you have an algorithm, create a work, uh, you mm-hmm. can't end prof copyrighted or make it, it uh, legally yours because of how they basically... Like, AI cannot create stuff on its own. It has to be fed mm-hmm. data, and it searches the internet, and internet to cr- refine things to use as a base. Because of that, there's a lot of art theft and plagiarism centered around AI writing and art as a as a whole. Yeah, there's a bunch. Literally, the guy, um, one of the, I think it was either one of the writers or the creator of Black Mirror, went to like an AI thing and was like, "Hey, write a Black Mirror script." And he, yeah, the creator said he used Jet GPT to write an episode and says it was absolute crap. Yeah. Because it was just yep. stealing stuff from the other scripts. So, like, AI cannot create something fully on its own. It takes from other stuff. And, you know, this wouldn't yeah. be so mm-hmm. bad if the people who created this stuff were getting any residuals, but they're not. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The, you know, a lot of those big Hollywood executives are not trying to look into AI, which is like, oh, come on, seriously? This is exactly why your uh, workers are on strike. You'd think like, they would have learned by now, but nope. And like, even if the if those other writers were getting residuals, I'm not sure that I really want my stuff being used mm-hmm. to create other stuff. Yeah, like totally. That. I don't know, it just seems frustrating. I wouldn't want, like, I'm in the process of writing my own novel, and it's like, there's no way I would want this to be used to write something else. I'm the one who put mm-hmm. in the work and the effort yeah. to make this story, not you. I remember for an episode of South Park, they did about AI, uh, as a joke, they had an AI I, uh, stand uh, out of desperation, uses AI to think of a solution which they treat as the end, and no matter how horrible it is, which <laughs> to poke fun at, at uh, AI writing. I love it when South Park does yeah. satire, because they do it good. Yeah. They really do. And see, when like, they do when they do it right, they do it oh, right. Definitely. Yeah. That's, yeah. When, they, when it's a miss, it's a miss. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. like, see, the thing is, it's just also, um, it's like, I kind of knew this wasn't going to work. It's like, I know this is not going to be the next big thing, just because, again, it's, like, it's taking away a pleasure creative people have. People love to draw, people love to write, and it's like, by doing this, you're taking away one of the few pleasures we have in this really messed up world. So I knew mm-hmm. people were going to be fighting back at this, and I'm really happy to see that governments are taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, as I've fair. said... I'd be fine with AI if the AI was being used to help people, but so far the AI they're using is not. It's just making things worse. Yeah, because they're using in the wrong spaces. Yep. Like they could use AI to like 
regulate and measure carbon footprints, stuff like that. Yeah. But no, they're just trying to use it to take away jobs. Yeah, this yeah. is exciting. But I'm, I'm happy. See, for some reason, I, people thought Japan would be, like, behind AI for some reason. I'm not sure why. Maybe virtual girlfriend. <laughs> stuff, I don't know. That's probably <laughs> what they were wishing for. I know there's actually Sorry. some sort of concept or something where there's, like, an AI girlfriend. I'm like, this is not going to end well. Mm-mm. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> Did nobody see the movie Her? Oh, no, I, I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> or what about that episode of Gravity Falls where Zeus has a girlfriend who in the who's a computer game? Mm-hmm. She goes crazy and tries to kill him. Like, guys, come on. We're better than this. I love that episode. <laughs> I, me too. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> All right. I think so this one's this, me. Yeah, this one's you. Yeah. All right. Drew Carey picks up $20,000 oh, and growing... Wow lunch tab for this writer's strike. Amazing. Drew Carey's is awesome. Oh my gosh. Drew Carey um, actually did the same thing in 2007 during the strike. Drew um, Carey is so awesome. He's a really cool dude, actually. He, uh, you know, he's from um, Cleveland, which is Mm -hmm. where I'm from. And uh, we once, my um, parents went to this local, uh, like pizza restaurant that's here and they were actually shutting down early and they're like okay why are you guys shutting down and they go we just got a call from drew carey and he ordered 100 pizzas to be delivered via private jet oh wow oh my god in la and so they they could not get their pizza that night but I just think it's so funny that he's still supporting like local businesses in Cleveland because apparently he says it's the best pizza. Oh wow, um, wow. that is yeah. actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, like the thing is, Drew Carey he used to be really big. Like I think maybe in the early yeah, 90s. the Drew Carey show and whose line is anyway? Yeah, whose line? Uh huh. But the thing is, is like while he's not really acting or anything, he's still very active, like within Hollywood. And it's just really great to see this dude who I grew up seeing still being really awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the more actors stand with the writers who are striking, the more that's going to send a clear message. I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's I a lot he's of money doing, too. Um, game show hosting now. The price yeah, price. He's, yeah, price that's right. right. Yeah, he was on a, a Family Feud, I think. I don't know. I don't All I know so. is it's Steve Harvey's Family Feud now. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's just. So yeah, this is really great news, but also it's just it's really nice to see another person standing with the striking writers, you know, because they've been on strike for a while now, and it feels like yeah. you know. I don't think they're going to cave. It's going to be the mm-hmm. the executives who are going to cave first. Yeah, definitely. But it just oh, is, like, is also super mm-hmm. nice. Apparently, show your WGA card is his tweet. Oh, awesome. Bob's Big Boy in Burbank or Swinger's Diner in Beverly. Your meal is free for the duration of the strike. Dine in only. Tip included. Oh, oh that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> that's it's, amazing. It's just, again, I'm really happy that this dude who I grew up seeing a lot turns out to still be awesome because it's always really up in the air if like people from your childhood are going to be still really cool or end up sucking <laughs> it, it honestly seems like a lot of the who's line guys ended up being really cool mm-hmm. dudes oh yeah which makes me very happy like colin Bonkery being super supportive of his trans mm-hmm. daughter oh. yeah that i follow his me. daughter on uh 
TikTok. She's really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> she also doing comedy. Uh, yeah, awesome. she TikTok. has some funny TikToks. Takes after it. So this one's mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, I'm really I just added this. this one. Yeah. So my adventures with Superman poli- premieres July seventh. So next month, on a Friday. Yeah. This is also something that's been in production for a while, hasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it was announced uh, right before HBO Max launched, and, oh, right, it's just Max now. <laughs> we Max. won't talk about that here, but I think this was also a show that got pushed back because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's all- we'll see. Now, I'm excited for this just because there hasn't been an animated Superman show in years. Yeah, they were gun ho on Batman for over a decade. Who yeah. is playing Superman? Oh, oh, let me uh, open up IMDb and uh It's Jack Quaid. Megan Ryan Jack and Den Quaid. Yeah, Jack uh Meg Ryan and uh, Dennis Quaid's son. Mm-hmm. Of the boys. Yeah, and he was also in Hunger Games, so he's a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not bad. I'm not a big fan of his character in the boys. But I didn't really like the character much in the comics either. Uh-huh. Don't read the comics. <laughs> okay. I love how me and Luffy are telling people not to read stuff. In yeah. this episode, but like, I like it's just they're so big. In it. They're so bad. Yeah, I think the last animated um, show it was um, it was also part of like the sort of DC animated universe they had going on because that Superman also mm-hmm. appeared in Justice League. Yeah, Tim Daly. The last one was in 2012, so it's been a while. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I'm, I've seen some screenshots and clips of it. They It seems like they got Superman down on right, because he's yeah. just a big, shy himbo. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I what like he is. It. That's what he's supposed to be. He's a himbo with a heart of gold. He's trying his best yeah, from to pretend of it, to be normal. Uh, he's younger... As well as Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, who and uh, who are investigative journalists. And can I also just say I'm really thankful we're not doing another thing with the origin story. Yeah, yeah. I like so it's, thankful. It's been done to death by this point. Because it's Superman. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like I've, I've said Everyone the same knows it by before. Now. Like, the reason I don't want any more like origin stories of like Superman and Batman and Spider-Man is because everybody knows it. Even people who've never yep. picked mm-hmm. up a comic book knows those origin stories. And especially with Superman, he has so many great stories to tell, but everybody always wants to focus on his origin story. And I'm like, no more. Yeah. I mean, no more. If they, they <laughs> want to give me a quote unquote origin with Superman, I'd love to see how he got his job and how he met Lois. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Because, like, um, like, is he still work at a newspaper? In in our modern day, newspapers are, like, practically dead. Mm-hmm. So, is he a blogger now? Does he yeah. have a podcast? That, yeah. that, that'll be interesting to see. But also, like, another thing is, um, since it's going to be a series, I'm really excited because I also feel like Superman has some really fun uh, villains who we don't get to see that often. Uh, yeah. I'm really hoping to see Mr. Mixelpluck again. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I remember seeing him in the Super... 80, 90s Superman cartoon where he's voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. 
One of his best roles. Mm-hmm. A very underrated role for Gilbert Godfrey, but he's like this magic, he's this imp from another dimension, and he solely messes, he solely messes with Superman because he thinks it's funny. You know, because Superman's like the, one of the most powerful people in the world, and he just finds it really amusing to mess with him. And it's also when Superman can sort of show how clever he is. Because he always tricks... I really like. Yeah, like, the only way to defeat him is to ha- trick him into saying his name backwards, which he's able to easily do. Him. Yeah. It, it, it's such a great episode that the animated episode because again people think you know Superman's this big dumb jock but he's actually really smart so I'm hoping to see more of the underrated villains that don't really get a lot of spotlight because everyone's like oh it has to be Lex Luthor it's like yeah no it doesn't we can have other people he can be please. around like, yeah. but he doesn't have to be the only dude yeah. mm-hmm. personally I would love to see so, him yeah. go up against Lobo Oh, he yes. was like a recurring uh, uh, villain in the show. I feel Lobo. like we get way too much of uh, Bizarro's yeah. too. Like, oh, yeah. We know that he's there. Yeah, we get it. We get it. We need less of him. And Lobo's also a fun character because he later sort of becomes like uh, a friend of Superman's. Like, Superman's like, I'm not into this friendship. Not like you are. Because yeah, Lobo's was a-, a psychopath. Like he's a funny There was gun for an episode hire. of Justice League where they think Superman dies. So Lobo's like, I'll join this Justice League. And the Justice League is like, no, thank you. <laughs> it was so funny and well done. So again, I'm really excited for this just because I do love this character mm-hmm. and I want to see them do more of him. That's just, you know, not the, the origin story. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely. All right. It is time for recommendations. Who wants to go first? Um, let's see, uh, okay, the way this works, Luffy, is that we both do two recommendations, and if you got two, uh, do you want to go first, Luffy? Uh, my only question is, are they animated recommendations? Or they can any- be anything. Any- anything. And it can be upcoming, or... Yeah, you can recommend sure, something upcoming. Because I also, okay. like, I recommended tic- uh, TikTok channels, YouTube channels, podcasts, stuff like that, so it could be anything. Okay, so first thing I'm going to say is that we, um, I don't know if anybody here has seen Invincible. If you can deal with high gore and you love deconstructions of superhero stuff and J.K. Simmons and Steve Wen, you mm. should definitely watch the first season on um, Amazon Prime. And we have been waiting on the second season for like two years and it's supposed to come out now, like this year, but they still haven't given a release date. But I can't wait because the first season was. Awesome. Oh yeah, it's created by Robert the Kirkman. The animation's really good. The animation is really good. Wow. And it's one and of the few um, like Asian superheroes we have. I yes. think um, Stephen Yoon voices the main character, and uh, Sandra Oh voices his mom. Yes. And originally, his character in the comics was white, but I think that having him be biracial. Um, adds like an extra layer because he's not only biracial um being you know halfway and uh i don't think they ever pre- i think chinese half chinese mm-hmm. he's also by by style i guess because <laughs> you know his dad is an alien and his mom was a human yeah so i his- feel like he's got this extra layer to that and his um dad is basically like superman if superman was evil and that is so much fun. It's like, especially because we know by the end of the first episode that he's mm-hmm. evil. But mm-hmm. Mark doesn't realize it until like the last episode of the first season. 
So we're watching like him interacting with him, knowing he is not a good man and not, you know, mm -hmm. like wanting to say, Mark, no, your dad sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard, I only watched like the first two episodes. I might watch some more just because Luffy's given it such a recommendation, but it's like, it is very violent. And mm -hmm. maybe that just threw me off a little bit. Cause I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. Oh, Seth, <laughs> Seth Roken was the executive producer on this. Wow. Oh, he yeah, was? He, yeah. He was around. Yeah, he like he produced this through his production company, Point Grey. And That's actually pretty cool. Oh uh, yeah, I know he's a big comic book fan. He, like I know he did that adaptation oh, yeah. of Preacher. And uh Oh yeah, there's uh, uh rumors going around that Omi Man might be a guest character in the roster for the next Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, I heard oh, about that. That'd be so cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Plus JK Simmons is amazing. Mm -hmm. I oh, just yeah, every, he's everything awesome. he does. Yeah, it's I mean, like we need to add a level of awesomeness into this. Get me J.K. Simmons. Oh, he would be amazing voicing in, voicing in Mortal Kombat. That yeah. would be pretty cool. All right, My do you have another? Other, I do. I don't know if anybody is familiar with this, but I think more people should watch it. Um, there is a adorable little sitcom called Superstore. On oh, what part of Superstore? I heard about this. Superstore is uh, America Ferrera like started like started the series and it takes place in like a big box store, like a Costco kind of place or like a Target, and it's kind of just like the daily lives and shenanigans that this group of people who work at this store get into. And I think that as far as sitcoms go, it is one of the ones that really rings true in like today's society because most of the characters are people in their 30s and above working minimum wage still and you know a store because it just you know the economy sucks mm -hmm. and one of the later seasons is them trying to unionize and like unfortunately they end up failing for the most part but i think that showing stuff like that is is really fun plus the comedy is honestly top tier and the cast is extremely diverse and i feel like i feel like people don't talk about it that much in comparison to like other sitcoms mm -hmm. and i just think more people should watch it's really lighthearted and like one of those shows that you can put on when you just like want a chill day where you don't have to like think too hard mm -hmm. And you want just something that's kind of, you know, fun and not something super serious. Yeah. I've heard good things like, about Superstore. I, I need to watch it. Oh. It's fun. I like it a lot. Oh, it's on, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, it's on a lot, multiple streaming services. So that's I should check I that out. On Hulu. Ah, okay. Also, America, America Ferrera, like anything she touches turns to gold. Like, I don't know yeah, what her powers great. is, but I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to her and the, the upcoming Barbie movie. Um, you know, she was the voice of Astrid in How to Train Your Dragon. She was in Sisterhood so of the Traveling Pants. She was even in the Tinkerbell movie. She was Fawn. Oh, voice of Fawn. Wow. So it's like, yeah. And I think, was that, um, was Ugly Betty her? Or was that somebody else? Yeah, yeah Ugly Betty was, was her. her. So yeah, I'm really- That look was like her big, uh, clang to fame. Yeah, her big breakout role. Oh yeah. Yeah, I so I'm looking- yeah. I I would love to watch this because I love America. Oh, uh, yeah. I think uh, when I was, my family was vacationing in California, we passed by the big cave they'd use for that show. Like the. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. 
So. That's cool. Uh, you want to go next, John? Okay. Um, my first recommendation is a movie I love dogs. Now, uh, I managed to catch this in theaters with a friend of mine who's also a film junkie. And uh, I Love Dogs is by Russ Anderson, who's known for his quirky comedies. He's like, uh, uh, <laughs> let's see, what was that? Grand, Bo- Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh, yeah, Grand Hotel. Budapest Hotel. Yeah, that was another one I saw. And uh, yeah. Like Aquatic with Steve Zuzo. And uh, another animated film, mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I absolutely loved and was excited when oh, I heard you. Well, I returned to Stamp Motion. Uh, I Love Dogs takes place in, in Japan and in around, uh, I think. Oh, it takes place in the future, 2038, where yes. an outbreak of the canine flu versus the Japanese government to uh, relocate all dogs to a, a big trash island. And it shows the lives and how, uh, what they were like before they were exiled. But, and it features a first cast of uh, Brian Krantz as... The lead as the main dog character, also Edward Norton, Bob Balaban, Jeff Goldblum, and Bill Murray. And it is very quirky, but also uh, touching about uh, Mm -hmm. the bond between man and dog. And it's about a little boy trying to find his dog. Mm And yeah. he goes to the, the island, which, you know, humans are not supposed to go to. But he it's obvious that this dog means like the world to him. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to find him. It is such a cute film. I, I also got, was lucky enough to see it in theaters. And it is actually stop motion as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the only cast criticism I have is Scarlett Johansson. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's only in like two actress. scenes. Same here. Yeah. Thank God. And, uh, <laughs> but like, it's a really amazing film. And I also recommend it. Yeah, it's streaming it's on Disney+. So Plus. Well. I strongly recommend it. And uh, okay, uh, quick disclosure. This next recommendation is only for those 18 and up. So if you're a kid, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast in the first place. But uh, yeah, honestly, stop listening right now. To us. So stop listening right now. For any of you adults <laughs> still listening, uh, my recommendation is a game on Steam, um, a visual novel called Monstrous Love. It's actually a fluffy, Ooh. sex-positive uh, first visual novel about women and encounter with uh, different monster guys. It's uh, Ooh, nice. fluffy, sex positive, and pretty kinky. It, oh, this looks cute. Uh, yeah, yeah it it's does. all created by, I, like I, I believe, stuff. one person. and That makes it even more, you know, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I really like this. Uh, this sounds like right up my alley. So, yeah, yeah I'll probably check this out. Yeah, there's like three different it stories. Actually- one uncentered around like a plant creature, one with like this shy demonic guy, and one with a himbo cave dweller. Ooh, yeah, actually- more himbos. It looks like you can play as a guy. Yeah, only oh, during, the, yeah, during the sex scenes, you take into the guy, but. During the uh, dialogue stuff, you play as a girl. And the creator is also working on a uh, sequel centered around Monster Girl, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, and it's only uh, yeah, that's awesome. $4.99, so oh, it's a pretty good deal. 
Yeah, but it's also, I'm looking at this, and what's really cool is, like, they're keeping the monsters monstrous mm-hmm. and not doing the thing. It's like, I'm a plant monster, but I look like a really young, pretty boy. Mm-hmm. Like, they're actually making the monsters monsters, which oh, I yeah, appreciate because we don't really get enough of that. Oh, no, it says it's boy's love. Boy's I love. I love that. At least is the it? one I found. Oh, um, hmm. Oh, this one's a monstrous lover. No, monstrous yeah, love. Yeah, monstrous love. Monstrous love. I'm adding this to my wish list. This looks awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, yes. Well, monstrous lovers actually looks fun as well, which it also <laughs> looks like that. it's uh, boys love. Oh, I should look, look that look up. Fun. Okay, and uh, All right. you're up next, Rudy. All right. So as I have said recently, I started like watching anime more. And one of them I decided to watch was called uh, Bungo Stray Dogs. So it starts off with this guy named um, Atishi, who uh, is an orphan. He gets kicked out of the orphanage. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any family. And he's like on the road to dying. He's like, I gotta like, I gotta steal from the first person I see. And he looks up and sees a pair of legs sticking out of the river. And he's like, I, I can't steal from this guy. I better help him. So he jumps into the water and saves this guy. The guy is not that, like, um, happy. He's like, why did you save me? Because the character he saved, uh, Dazai, mm-hmm. has he's really trying to commit suicide for some other reason. We don't know why. Um, but to thank him, he's like, hey, I'll treat you to dinner. And it turns out he's part of something called the Armed Detective Agency who specializes, like, in supernatural cases. Oh, and they were looking they were looking for a tiger and a two she's like oh that tiger's been following me but it actually turns out that atashi is the tiger he's a were tiger he's he just wasn't aware of it until but what is happening with atashi's hair i am not sure girl who cut your hair (laughs) i have no idea it's like part of it is long but the rest is short i don't understand why they have him look like that I'm also not a fan of his outfit because it's like part of the outfit, like part of his pants, there's like this really long like strip of fabric that for some reason is not like wrapped up. It just bothers me, but not t- going to talk about that. That's not the point. I am really enjoying this show so far. I'm on episode five and it is really funny, but also like the action scenes and the powers that the characters have are really interesting. Um, the relationship between um, Dazai and Atashi and also, um, oh, shoot, what is his name? See, Dazai has a partner named uh, Kunikida, and their relationship is hilarious. It's like an old married couple because Kunikida doesn't take any crap. He doesn't take any foolishness. Things have to be in order, you know, and Dazai is the opposite of that. Like, this man is constantly, if he sees any woman, he's like, would you join me for a double suicide? And oh. Kunikida just smacks him on the head <laughs> it's really good so far i highly recommend it um i think there's um there is a manga and i think there's also a movie um yeah there is a manga and this one i decided to recommend just because we were reviewing a satoshi Kone film i highly recommend if you like anime animation if you also like thrillers and mysteries i recommend perfect blue because me personally i think this is satoshi Kone's best film I haven't seen all of his films, but to me, the ones out of the ones I've seen, I think this one is the best. It's about a um, J-pop uh, star, an idol named Mima, who was part of a group called Cham. She decides to leave to become an actress. 
and um a obsessive fan starts to stalk her um and he like creates a website under her name and um she, we mentioned it before but like she starts sort of losing her mind but she's like is this real is this reality who am i it's very intense so like i mean if that's not your jam i can't recommend it um i think it might be rated r i'm not a hundred percent sure but it's really really good um it's done well uh the animation is of course very beautiful and you also really feel for mima as she sort of starts to struggle with um her mental health because also a bunch of murders start to happen and she's like am i responsible for this it's a phenomenal film i highly recommend it i'll definitely uh, check these out all I right think that this one is also based on a- oh yes i think you're right yeah. Yep. Based on a novel called Perfect Blue Complete Metamorphosis. So awesome. This one's gonna be interesting. I have seen reviews of this movie. I haven't watched it myself. This is one of your recommendations, right, Chad? Oh, 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 This is gonna <laughs> this is you better bring a puke bucket for next week because our next film is oh, no. the German animated movie. Day. Oh, oh boy. Oh, well, I'm jealous. Isn't it like, isn't it um essentially German Watership Down? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a German, I think that's probably the best. It's a German Wait, animated cat I'm... murder mystery. Oh. Yeah. So I would just like to say thank you for joining us, Luffy. We had so oh, much fun. If you yeah, ever want to join us again, don't hesitate You're to ask. Anytime. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. End of show. Rudy here. Just wanting to say thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. If you would like to support us more, please share the podcast. It would really mean the word to me and Chad. Also, um, you can write reviews wherever you can, like on Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. And again, just share us with your friends if you think we're funny or we're sharing once again thanks for your support and we will continue to watch really bad and weird cartoons bye